You're listening to The Rouge Report, brought to you by Young's Equipment, your Vaterstad headquarters. As this year's crop goes in the bin, it's never too early to plan for next year's seeding season. Vaterstad's seed hawk seeders are known for their ability to maximize the potential of your plant. Vaterstad, precise, reliable. Remember to go to youngs.ca to use the podcast code ROUGE, that's R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a rider's prize package. Welcome to The Rouge Report, presented by Young's Equipment. I'm Cody Fajardo. And I'm Isaac Harker. Follow along as we tackle CFL topics one point at a time. A Rough Rider podcast. Welcome into the 18th episode of the Rouge Report. And today we have a wonderful special guest, Chris Getzlaff. Um, I can't wait to get to this interview. A lot of listeners, a lot of people are fan favorites of him. I still see jerseys of him to this day in the stadium, which means he left a great legacy uh, with Rider Nation. Isaac, what's up? Um, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How about yourself? How about yourself? I am on cloud nine. You know why I'm on cloud nine? We played no. each other in fantasy football. Okay. And um, the score, 135.5 to 127.3. I have a couple things I want to bring up in this uh, podcast. Okay, it was a close one. It was a close one. It was a close one. The first thing, you had Matt Ryan on your bench for 65.8 points. Listen, you can't trust the Falcons anymore. And if the Pittsburgh Steelers weren't playing the bum Browns, Ben Roethlisberger would have had 50. So I would have won by like 30. I would have killed you. You're calling the 4-1, now 4-2 Browns bums? Wow. Well, I mean, they kind of screwed me. So I'm a little, I'm a little irritated. Okay, but here's the GM worst move of the year. Are you ready for this, listeners? My man, Isaac takes the Dallas Cowboys defense. Yeah, you heard that right. Dallas Cowboys defense. Here Dude, what is, is this? Here is what is this? <laughs> two points, negative three points, negative two points, negative nine points, nine points, and last night a negative five pointer. What an incredible pickup by you. You got negative five points with your defense. Who takes them? Dude, this is gotcha journalism <laughs> at its finest. I'm not happy. Like <laughs> They had nine points last week. I thought they turned over a new leaf. Really? Well, they have uh, they have more negative points than positive points. I wanted to give you a chance because I felt like my lineup was going to crush yours until Jefferson on in your flex, who you're about to bench, gets 50 points and carried you. I thought we bet like $100,000 or something on this, didn't we? Um, in what form of money? <laughs> Monopoly. Monopoly. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm about to I'm about to report you to like the sports betting bureau. You're a pro athlete, bro. You can't be betting. <laughs> betting you. Oh, oh we oh, bet oh. a blizzard, didn't we? Bet a blizzard. I know. On our yeah, we did. Bet. We did. We did. Yeah, but, but I had to pay for it or something. It was I was getting screwed somehow. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. You definitely already owed me one, so now I think we're back to even. Like no dairy for either of us. Got it. Yeah, that'll make my six-pack abs come in a little bit better, so thank you. <laughs> um, I think the uh, the big news, breaking news, um, is Fitzpatrick being benched for Tua. Talk to me about that change. Hate it. Why? I mean, you, you, just, you just clapped a team by 21, and you're like, hey, let's throw the rookie a bone, get him some live reps, and then 
he completes two passes and now you're like he is more than ready and who <laughs> yeah two <laughs> wonderful passes who uh, and they play the rams coming off a of bye week is aaron donald gonna eat his lunch he's gonna take his lunch money and then eat his lunch <laughs> Yeah, so it'll be that'll be interesting because this could blow up in the Dolphins' face. They're second in their division right now, in a division when they're rarely ever fighting for an opportunity to make the playoffs, and they're going to bench yeah. their guy. Like that's just uh, the Dolphins' incompetence as a franchise. I feel like. Yeah, I mean that's that's just bad, and this could blow up, and this is how people lose jobs. This is how no your question. GM head coach lose jobs by making decisions like this. But if Tua comes in and balls, which he's capable of, um, everyone's saying he's could be a mega star in this league. So uh, if that happens, yeah. Uh, I don't and know. Switching gears just a tiny bit. We got to talk about the World Series. Um, Rays versus Dodgers. Who do you got? And then how many games? Uh, Dodgers and six. Dodgers and six. Kershaw's pitching, uh, I believe tonight uh mm-hmm. versus glass now who's a, a beast for the rays I, he's, got, always, he's filthy glass now is filthy i'm always an underdog guy so anytime there's a championship uh game i always root for the underdog so i'm going rays here but the rays are 40 and 20 and the dodgers are 43 and 17 so um man i mean not much of an underdog i wanted the braves to be in the in the world series but the old dodgers snuck them well, how, about, how about that? Both those series, the American League and National League. So the Dodgers were down 3-1, came mm-hmm. back and won it. And I believe the Astros were maybe down 3-0 and came back did, and lost. Did you see how the Braves blew it, though? No, I did not. There was like, there's runners on second and third. Oh, I did no, see that. Yep. No outs or one out. I can't remember. Yeah, it was one out. Ground ball to third. The guy gets caught between third and home. So he gets in a rundown, bad base running there. Okay, stop the bleeding, right? No, they get doubled up. The runners on second and third get doubled up, and the guy's just on first base like, uh, come on, guys. Unbelievable, huh? And they lose that game by one, a walk or not a home run by Seager. So, yeah, yeah the Braves were – that was a good little squad. But, um, I mean, the Dodgers, they basically have spent all the money that they have to win a World Series. And they've made it three of the last four years. But uh, – We'll see if it pays off this year. And they don't have the Astros, who's probably the most hated team in sports right now. Um, and a lot of people were very happy when the Astros lost and didn't make it um, to the to the World Series. Because if you have an Astros-Dodgers World Series, how much drama is that? Oh, man. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people really happy, a lot of people really unhappy. Yeah. And I think there's going to be a lot of fights, right? Because Dodgers got some ba- a lot of bad blood with them for cheating and winning the two uh, the World Series. Yeah, I feel like there'd be a lot of people hit for sure. A lot of bean balls flying. <laughs> I think yeah, Vegas had an over under on how many players would get beaned by the Astros. I don't know the exact number, but when Vegas is making betting odds on it, you know it's uh, pretty serious. <laughs> I look ahead to the uh, um, next week's NFL games. Another terrible game on Thursday night. These Thursday night games have been really bad. Giants versus Eagles. Okay. Yeah. Um, Browns, Bengals. Bad game. Lions, Falcons. Bad game. Probably the game of the week is Steelers versus um, the Titans. 
Yeah, no, this is the one we were talking about, right? Because you, you're, wait. Did we already miss the game we talked about? <laughs> if we did, that would be hilarious. Was it the, the Bills? The, no, the Titans were my AFC championship pick. And mine was the Steelers. Yeah, this okay, is the game. Okay, so this is the one. This is the one. Hey, day before my birthday, it's coming early. We'll have another Blizzard bet on this one. What do you say? Yeah, definitely another Blizzard bet for sure. That's Your birthday's uh, the 26th. Yes, yes. And you're turning 26. 25, 25. Wow, you're a young buck. Quarter of a century under the belt. I Man. feel so wise, dude. <laughs> uh, other games you're looking forward to Panther Saints doesn't excite me Bills Jets Jets are just very very bad how that head coach over there hasn't got fired I have no idea Cowboys Washington another bad game Packers Texans bad football game Seahawks Cardinals ooh that, that's got potential yeah 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 interesting Chief, fireworks fireworks Chiefs Broncos bad game Niners Patriots both those teams are very inconsistent Jaguars Chargers terrible football game Buccaneers Raiders. Ooh, I like that. Raiders just coming off a huge win off the Kansas City Chiefs. Got yeah, Derek Carr looking good. And the boys coming off a huge win off of Packers. They they embarrassed the Packers. That was bad. And Devontae Adams was back. I thought Packers were going to roll with that one, especially with the Bucks losing to the Bears. And they were up early too. Yeah, man. So that that game will be there's only about two or two games this weekend that uh I'm excited about. But we definitely got a blizzard on that uh, Steelers-Titans game. Who's Who throws the prettiest ball in football? Prettiest football? McLeod Bethel-Thompson. We already talked about that. <laughs> but No, I mean NFL, NFL. Uh, NFL. Oh, man. Stafford, maybe? Ooh, that was a panic. How about the deep ball of Russell <laughs> Wilson, dude? Okay, well, you didn't say deep ball. You said just who throws the prettiest ball. Deep I ball, mean, it's a perfect sure. parabola, and it's a perfect spiral every time. It's kind of like a mathematician's wet dream, dude. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going with. I'm definitely going with Russell Wilson's deep ball. It's very impressive. I like Derek Carr's like intermediate bullet pass. Yeah, I mean they're NFLers, so I think a lot of these guys can just huck it, chuck it football, right? Mm-hmm. I mean Drew Brees is definitely in the running for ugliest for sure, but he's one. He's my favorite quarterback though, so I can say that. <laughs> so you can bash him because you like him. Me and him go way back, so. <laughs> uh yeah Peyton Manning's out of the league so he's he was probably one of the worst throwers Tom doesn't throw a perfect ball either it's not always beautiful man yeah that's true but that's the old timers they don't have much in their arm anymore (laughs) they don't have the spin (laughs) so Dwayne Haskins getting benched good or bad (sighs) I can't give up on a guy that quick especially but did you hear why they gave up on him though no what was the reason? I mean, they said it was like film study habits, and after the loss where he threw for 300 yards, he was like in the locker room bragging about his stats right after they lost. You're not benching a guy for that. That's cringe, though. I mean, yeah. that's going to form a divide. <laughs> for I just sure. threw for 360. <laughs> Bro, we lost. <laughs> we lost by two touchdowns, dude. Yeah, but, yeah, is but Alan... I was kind of spinning it. <laughs> <laughs> is Alan the answer? If they would have benched him for – uh, my man Alex Smith, I'm all on board. But the fact that they benched him for this Allen, his name's Allen, I believe, right? Kyle Allen, yeah. Yeah, the fact that they benched him for him really, really um, confused me. Yeah, I was confused at that too because were they just scared Smith wasn't like fully back or what? What was the decision there? I'm confused. Yeah, I don't think Smith wanted to play either. 
I think he he saw if you watch the game, his wife was so nervous in the stands. Yeah, yeah. And so and they were I, playing the Rams, so it's yeah, kind of like and Aaron like, Donald's chasing you. I really think the first the first play he gets hit by Aaron Donald. Donald jumps on his back. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, well, I think his leg's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, that's scary. That's scary. Yeah, so I don't know. The NFL is uh, – there's a lot of teams that were supposed to be good that aren't very good. What about uh, – did you watch Dak Prescott's injury last week? Yeah, I wish I wouldn't have. I know. I hate how the TV shows 40 different view angles of it. Like, I get showing it once, so but, like, you don't have to have 40 different view angles of this guy's dude, ankle just snapping Dude, off. what I don't get is on YouTube, there's, like, compilations of these gruesome injuries, and they have millions of views. Like, why do people watch this stuff? I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like people are sick and twisted. <laughs> That's, like, the only explanation. It's, like pleasure out of somebody else's pain or something i don't know i can't wrap my head around it yeah i can't watch that stuff my although i will say this my wife laura does like she watches those injuries because she's in the medical field and she likes to see oh that was a acl or mcl or ankle so that's the reason why she watches it but i don't catch her i don't catch her on youtube watching the video because if i did I'm going to have to take the laptop away from her. <laughs> I feel like like being so clinical about it kind of takes away the the like punch of it, but at the same time like I don't think I could do that either. No. My sister <laughs> my sister's a PA and she showed me this person came in, they were hanging a mirror and it fell and broke and it like sliced their arm open hugely. And she's like, "Look what I did." She's like, "I did two stitches on the inside and 20 stitches on the outside." It's like I would throw up. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, uh, one of our, um, physical therapists, like our team trainers at Nevada worked the, uh, we have a, um, rodeo here and a bull stepped on this guy's head and his ear was completely gone. What? And, and he showed me this picture and I definitely threw up in my mouth. It was one of the <laughs> most grossest things I've ever seen. Like you just see a guy's side of his head and there's just no ear there. Just like, Dude, little, I feel like the ears on there pretty good though. There was just like a little hole, and that was it. Yeah, your ears attached pretty good, so he must have gotten it pretty bad. Well, it's a bowl, so. <laughs> <laughs> how long are how long are you lasting on a bowl? That's the question of the day. How long are you lasting as a rodeo clown? <laughs> what <laughs> two events probably? Okay, this this is a good topic of conversation. I talked about this uh, on my Friday interview. Um, the Ravens were up uh, 27 to zero and the Bengals are driving. They're down 27 zero and they kick a field goal at the end of the game to not put up a goose egg, right or wrong. Cause the defensive coordinator for the Ravens came out and he was pissed. Um, I don't think you can be pissed as a defensive coordinator, but you can be pissed at your own team's decision to kick. That's how I feel about it. You so in the Bengals situation, so I'm talking the Ravens defense coordinator came out pissed because they kicked a field goal for three three points and yeah. he wanted the goose egg. My whole argument on that is if you don't want to kick three points, don't don't play soft zone and let them just get down the field and kick three points. That's what I'm saying. Like they earned the three points. Yeah. Like and your own team can be pissed for not going for it, but you can't be pissed as a defense. Like they got there. And as small as it may seem, twenty seven to zero is a lot worse than twenty seven to three. Agreed. Definitely agreed. And and what I think listeners 
should note as well is that defense coordinator probably had a bonus in his contract for any shutout game. He probably gets a bonus. You think? And, yeah, and I think he probably lost money. That's why he's so pissed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's really why I think he's pissed. No, that's, that's funny. That's funny. So uh, back to our rodeo clown thing. Guess how much a rodeo, <laughs> a rodeo clown makes a year? Uh, ten grand. Ten? Yeah, dude. How many rodeos are there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's just say the top. The top. Rodeo okay. Clown. Okay. Okay. Fifty-five. Fifty-five. Eighty k. No way, dude. Yeah. Okay. Brb. Becoming a rodeo clown. <laughs> you think that's worth it? <laughs> Have your ear gnawed off? Is that worth it? Did he bite his ear off or did he step on his ear? He stepped on it, but it sounds better if he gnawed off his ear. If I wanted my ear gnawed off, I'd be a boxer, dude. Did you watch that uh, boxing match last Saturday? No, I didn't. Loma was fighting. Lomachenko versus Oh, I uh, love Lomachenko. I'm about to watch that on YouTube. He got beat. Sorry to he's, break your heart. He's going to be goaded, though. Trust me. Big dude, trust. That Lopez guy was a baller. He was good. Lomachenko came out. And I haven't watched boxing in like five years. And there was a lot of hype around this boxing match. And I was like, you know what? I'll turn it back on. I'll turn it on. I turned it on and I was engulfed in it. I'm in my living room shadow boxing, trying to figure, <laughs> out, trying to figure out if I'm going to be able to last in the ring. And hey, dude, I've up. got some pads and some gloves. We need to we need to start hitting pads together. It's good shoulder work. It's good oh, shoulder yeah. work. Um, no question. But Lomachenko came out. He came out slow, and Lopez jumped at the opportunity. And then by like round six or seven, Lomachenko's like, "I'm losing this match." So he came out and he's a little too aggressive. He landed a few good ones, but Lopez was just pretty consistent all night. So mm-hmm. you should definitely you, watch that match. Yeah, have you seen his backstory, Lomachenko's backstory? Yeah, his dad put him into uh, dancing. Yeah, well, and like they call him like the Matrix because he does all this like mental training too, where they put a bunch of numbers on the wall, and his dad calls one out, and he's got to touch it as quick as he can and stuff. It's kind of kind of interesting. How does that help you with boxing? That's my question. It, it's like that that reading and recognition and like memorization and reflexes. Like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe like thinking while attacking. Yeah, I guess. Because I, don't know. I know that's probably like the number one thing in boxing. What I've heard is. Like you get hit in the face, you get so pissed, you can't just be overly aggressive because you're mad, right? Mm-hmm. You have to you have to be able to be controlled, even though you just got hit in the face and can't be all out of control. Or like if you get hit in the face, you're going to be disoriented. You got to protect yourself until you're like back to normal. Yeah, that's a good point too. So um, I'll I'll send some of your resume out to a few places about being a rodeo clown if you're serious about it, and uh, yes. just just hook me up with some tickets, and I would love to see you try to dodge a, a bull <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm pretty wiry dude if i get enough cups of coffee in me it's curtains i'll be making 80 grand a year for the rest of my life you need to put that in your contract <laughs> so i can do it in the off season no no put the coffee <laughs> put the coffee in your rodeo clown contract <laughs> i thought you meant like hey, I'm, I'm playing on saturday but listen on sunday i gotta do my gig as a rodeo clown <laughs> no way jo's letting that happen there's no way <laughs> give him a call give him a call yeah okay let me call him for you <laughs> get him on the line hey let's get him on the podcast yeah we do live La- we're always live. yeah right now right now call him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well without further ado we're going to get to this awesome uh interview with chris gets direct west is a proud sponsor of the rouge report are you a busy business owner needing help with your marketing 
Things like updating your Google listing, thinking of a headline for a billboard, or making sure your website is in good shape. That's where Direct West comes in. Let them help with over 100 years of expertise at directwest.com. Episode 19 of The Rouge Report. Everybody, welcome in. Cody, we have a really special guest today and a fan favorite, Chris Getzloff. What's up, Chris? How are we doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Just trying to figure out life without CFL football, as everyone else is, right? Uh, going through these summer and fall months, missing football, watching football. But uh, before we get into the full interview, 11-year career, fifth-round pick to the Ticats. What I like to do, I like to look at the guys who are uh, our guests for the show and look at their stats. And usually one thing jumps off the screen to me. And for uh, for you, in your 11-year career, you had one kick return for negative four yards. Got to ask, what happened there? And how do you go 11 years and only have one kick return? Do you remember <laughs> that? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess. I, it's not coming to me right off the top of my head, but I'm going to guess that it was an onside kick and and I recovered it. That would be my best guess. 2013, does that help? I mean – that's a great. Yeah, 2013. Year. Very likely, it was an onside kick. I mean, we we won quite a few games that year. We uh -huh. had a strong team. Obviously, you can tell by the way it finished. But yeah. uh, it would have been an onside kick return. Okay. I, I never lined up at the back. Uh, either that, sorry, or it could have been like a special situation where I was back there in order to basically catch it and go down. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, like a kick out situation or something like that. Well, that'd be a punt technically. Yeah. Yeah. So that would, yeah, that would be a punt return, which I did have, you know, when we had those special situations, like a kick out that you're referring to, um, I would definitely was one of the guys that was usually in the end zone in order to make sure that that happened. Yeah. Uh, but that wouldn't, you're right. That wouldn't be a classic. That would be a punt return, not a kick return. So the kick return has got to be an onside kick. That makes me feel a lot better looking at it. Like, <laughs> Negative four yards. My man's an athlete. Where's he going? <laughs> Well, see, now I know you didn't look at my career if you think I'm an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> go, and, ahead. Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Isaac. Yeah, and, and like we said, you got drafted uh, to the Ticats in the fifth round, but very early in your career, you were traded to the Rough Riders. Can you just talk about how that went down, kind of your emotions to be heading back home? Uh, it was mixed emotions, honestly. Um you know, it was kind of weird. Like I, I got out to, to Hamilton and uh, training camp was, was crazy. It was like plus 40 degrees Celsius with the humidity every day. And it was grueling. There was lots of guys going down and I was getting all kinds of reps. Like we, we had uh, two receiving groups. That's it for like wow. basically all of training camp, mm -hmm. which is, is not a lot when you're talking to camp. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it was just, it was a grind and I still had three years of college eligibility left. So there was definitely a chance that they sent me back in order to, to play college for another year before coming out. But, you know, thankfully I was able to make the team and it comes, it comes to our bye week and I, st I hadn't had a vehicle out in Hamilton yet because I just flew there and I didn't have, so I didn't have wheels to get around. I tried to look out there, but at the time when you're under 25 and getting, uh, a driver's uh, trying to get a vehicle and get insurance for the vehicle out in Hamilton, it's cost an arm and a leg. So I decided to get a vehicle when I went back home on bye week drove 32 hours back to Hamilton and two days later got called in and got traded back home. <laughs> 
So did you drive back home or how did how did that happen? I shipped it back home. I said I'm <laughs> there not doing go. that again. <laughs> oh man. Thirty you said thirty two hours? Yeah, it was thirty two hours. Yeah, I did it in two days. You were were you listening to podcasts or how are you passing the time? Uh <laughs> music, I mean you kinda name it. Yeah. Pretty much anything that, that could come about. <laughs> you know, I was driving an older car, so it's not like I had any fancy systems or anything going on at that time. Here's something I'm kind of interested in. When you get traded east to west or west to east, does the league give you money for uh, moving? Or Yeah, you get uh, – at that time, you got 2,000 moving allowance. Oh, so okay. I think 900 of that got used up for me shipping my car back. Yeah, but the issue is you might be locked into a lease, and 2000 in Ontario is not going to cover your <laughs> lease for – because you, you're, you were fresh – what was it, August? Yeah, August when he got traded. So you still had a couple more months on your lease if you were locked into one. So two thousand the, the place I was staying, you mean? Yeah, I'm just saying any player. Like if most guys, like when I was in Toronto, we had to sign a six-month lease because – and that was hard enough to do. So uh, you're kind of locked into that lease. And if you get traded, that $2,000 is covering not even a month's worth of my rent in, in uh, Toronto. And you had – Yeah, I was – I was lucky on that front. I was able to, to get out. They were pretty lenient on that. So I, it didn't cost me anything extra to hold that place for the rest of the year. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense. So then you get uh, to the Rough Riders and 2007 is a great cup year. Um, from what I read, it was a great year. 2007 was for the Getzlaff household. Your brother wins the Stanley Cup and you win the Grey Cup. Uh, just talk to me about how your family's emotions were, uh, your emotions with your brother, and just uh, both winning a, a ring. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible in the same year. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite the situation because you know I, I already mentioned training camp and how grueling it was, but that's when the Stanley Cup final was going on. So it was my first training camp in the CFL ever, and my brother's playing in the Stanley Cup, so I couldn't even be down and watching him in person. Yeah, that's tough. Which, you know, that was kind of tough. And by the time we were on the East Coast, so by the time uh, we were done for the night, you know, I was maybe catching the third period of uh, of his games mm-hmm. while he was, uh, you know, capturing that cup. But yeah, I got to, I got traded back to Saskatchewan midseason there uh, just before Labor Day, and you know, it was one of those situations where you get to go from worst to first in one week. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was nice and. Um, you know, it was a really good team that year. And, you know, I came into obviously a good situation. I finished the year on the practice roster, but obviously a, a part of the team that went on to win a great cup. Uh, going back to, you said you had three years left of college eligibility. Is that a, is that a player decision? Like, even though you made the team, could you still opt to go back to college or would it's that that not just makes sense. You just want to stay with the uh, CFL. Did that ever come into your mind? Like I still have three years, maybe, you know, I'm a fifth round pick. Maybe I go back and then retry to do everything again. Uh, it's definitely an option. It was, sorry, it was an option for me. So I was in a unique situation because I played junior football for four years, but the whole time I went to university. So when I actually went to university football, it, it was in my fifth year of university where that was my first year of university football, which made me draft eligible. Got it. So okay. I ended up deferring my first year. So I played one more year of college before I was draft eligible, got drafted, still had the option to go back, but I had already, I had already got my degree. 
So I needed to see if I was going to make the team. And if I did, then I was going to try to stick that out. Yeah, we, we had a few other guests that had similar, almost similar situations. But I guess my other question is, if you get drafted and then you decide to go back to college, do you reenter the draft or are your rights uh, with the Hamilton Ticats because they drafted you the year before? They would still have my rights. Got it. Okay, so you can't just reenter the draft <laughs> and be like, I want to get drafted. Okay, that makes sense. Got it. Yeah. No, you, you. it's not like getting drafted by the yeah. Jets and being like, no, I'm going to go back to college so that I don't have to play for them. I would say that's a great, uh, great thing if they did that, but they never favor the players. We all know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, kind of moving forward, you were able to make your uh, debut on October 3rd in 2008 where you were catching your first CFL pass and you actually scored your first touchdown too. So can you kind of just take me through the emotions of playing in a game for the first time and doing so well? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a weird year where um, – it seemed like guys were breaking their legs more often than getting bruised. So it, it was a really weird year that year. And I actually got put on the IR at that time. You could, you could save cap by putting someone on the IR mm. and I, I wasn't even hurt. So I still had to wait out my nine games and the, the uh, two hours after I signed the, the injured reserve, um, Andy Fantuz broke his leg in a game and I was, I was his direct backup all camp. So, you know, it was a pretty tough situation and a, a mental challenge to um, continue to practice at full speed uh, without having the opportunity to play. Whereas, you know, if I hadn't signed that, then I probably would have walked into a starting role the next week. Yeah. Um, but after I waited my nine games, you know, I was able to, to go out and instantly get a start. And, uh, and it went well, you know, I, I did everything that I needed to do to be mentally and physically prepared to, to jump into that kind of role. And, uh, I was able to make the plays that came my way and, you know, that kind of kickstarted my career. Yeah. It's like, we talk about, uh, to guess a lot about how grueling it can be to keep rehabbing during injury and not being able to play and stuff, but it, that's kind of a unique situation where it's like, you're not even injured, but you're still having to do everything that would be like mentally straining on somebody who is injured. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's a challenge each and every day because you're going in and you're able to practice full go, um, but not being able to, to play because you have that designation. And you probably weren't able to even be with the team, right? Out of practice, you, you had to, I think if I'm right, if I'm not wrong, uh, you were able to, you had to work out while the team practiced. And then afterwards you work out with the injured reserve guys. Is that correct? No, the rules were a little different at that time. They, they, they since changed. Well, they changed a few years back, but um, at that time it was a nine game injured list and you could basically put anybody on it. Uh-huh. So I think they changed changed the rule a little bit to make sure that, uh, you know, the teams that were more well off weren't continuing to just stash guys on the IR. Uh huh. So you were able to practice with the team while you were on that nine nine game thing, nine game injured list. Yeah, it, if I remember correctly, it might have been a couple weeks that I couldn't. Uh huh. Yeah. But the majority of the time, yeah, I practiced full go. Oh, well, that's better. Yeah, because uh, I think my first year in the league, 2015, if you were on the uh, the nine game, they wouldn't let you practice with the team. So we had guys that were healthy and they couldn't even practice and they're just standing there and they and they felt like they weren't even part of the part of the team. Right. So 
Um, yeah, it's just an interesting situation to be in. But kind of fast forwarding to 2009 season, in week five, another injury uh, happened to Andy Fantuz, and you found yourself in a starting role. Uh, you had a career day, five catches, 101 yards, two touchdowns, and you had a 65-yard touchdown with, I think, a minute and 17 seconds left. Um, just talk to me about your preparation during the week. You knew, did you know you were going to be the starter from the, uh, beginning of the week or was this like a last minute thing? No, I knew it was looking very likely that I was going to end up being in a starting position. I'm pretty sure it was Andy's, Andy's, uh, hamstring. So, um, at that time it was, it was pretty clear that it was very likely that I was going to be in that role come that game. And, um, I mean, for me, not a lot changed I mean other than practice reps um, but I was just always a guy that you know I, I wanted to make sure that I knew the playbook inside and out and each and every position so that if an opportunity did come that I wouldn't be out of position or I was in a greater position in order to make plays when I had the opportunity to and that just doesn't mean catching the football you know that means making blocks when you got to Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And, and we had Andy on, on the show. Uh, what was he to your career? Um, and and what did you learn, I guess, from Andy? Because it seemed like you were kind of backing him up in your early years and just being able to watch him play. Um, There's definitely, I'm sure, a few things you kind of snaked from his game and you kind of added it to your repertoire. Yeah, I mean, Andy and I, we both had somewhat of a similar running style. Um, you know, it's almost like skating on the field, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, just how we ran routes, but you know, a, a guy like that, I get to come in and he was still young. You know, he was only in his second year, I think when I came over to the riders. So, but even learning from him early on was that, uh, you know, the more, you know, um, the easier it is to fit in. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was just all those little things that, that came along with being able to read defenses on the fly and knowing the playbook so well that you didn't have to think and you could just spend your whole time, you know, reading what the defense was doing because you're going to be able to find zones uh, in order to make catches if it's not man to man. Yeah. And that's a, and that's a great point. I think um, we asked Andy this as well. Uh, game on the line. What route are you running? Uh, let's say we're on the 15 yard line. And uh, let's say we, we got to have a touchdown. <clears throat> Assuming it's man to man coverage, I'm running a corner route from three to the field. Three to the field. Okay. Yeah. He, he went with the inside fade uh, from the slot number two. But uh, yeah, the corner of the field, you got so much room to work. Uh, let's go. And then we went to the zone, zone coverage. Let's say it's uh, third and five, got to have it. What are, you, what are you running? Third and five zone coverage? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking a, from number three to the field again, I'm thinking a option route where I can either break inside, outside, or just hitch up depending on, uh, where the inside linebacker is playing. Yeah, that's great. And and that you can, it doesn't matter what zone they're in, you can beat every coverage, right? And even a man, you can still beat that. And that's, uh, sure. you're on a linebacker, or even like a, a, a Sam, right? So, uh, that's a pretty good matchup for us as quarterbacks. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I caught several, several of those plays. Me and doubles had a pretty good rapport when it came to, to running that route. Cause I didn't really run that option route in a traditional fashion where, you know, you go up and chop chop and you're going right or left based on leverage. Um, 
you know, I would take I would take one cut to the out and snap it back in, almost like a mini bang or a mini smash route. Yeah, heck yeah. And that, that, yeah, I, if the viewers aren't aren't really aware, it's so important to know what the other guy's doing so the ball can come out on time. And if you have if you have a good feel for how the person's running it, it's just like it's like stealing. Yeah, and that that was the crucial part of it is that doubles knew how I was going to run it. I actually scored a touchdown in 2013 in the West Final on that exact play, and uh, I had Keon Raymond man to man, and I I did exactly what I'm talking about. I took a step to step to the out and just kind of faded back inside, and doubles knew exactly what I was going to do. And um. We're we're just gonna fast forward a little bit to 2009, where you were able to to play in the Grey Cup, unfortunately losing to to Montreal. But after the season, you kind of made the decision to re-sign with SAS instead of testing uh, free agency. So, is can you just take us through your thought process on on that? Yeah, I mean we we had a good young core group of guys on that team, a really good locker room rapport, and I felt like I was in a position that that I could solidify, you know, a starting role, whether that was going to be a top four or whether that was going to be the fifth. And, you know, I was still getting my feet wet. Um, I thought I played really well when I got my opportunity, a true opportunity at the end of, of 28 or yeah, end of 20, sorry, end of 2008. And then the, the games that I did play in 2009. So I had a pretty good chance of, of playing a lot. Um, so, you know, I just thought the fit was right. And I, I thought we were going to be a, a good team for years to come. Yeah. And you, you find in the CFL, we talk about this all the time on the show, most guys sign, you know, one to two year deals. And then they sign with like, they play with five teams. If, if you got an 11 year career, like you did, usually you're playing for five or six teams in the CFL. Uh, you managed to be able to play really three teams, but Hamilton was two games. So spending most of your time in Sask, um, you really never uh, ventured out until I think it was 2016 when you signed with the Edmonton Eskimos. You continued to sign those contract extensions. Was that because growing up, uh, being hometown, it was like, this is where I want to be. Um, and there wasn't really like the grass is greener anywhere, anywhere else. Um, just kind of take us through that, uh, signing those contract extensions and continuing to sign with SAS. Because I'm sure um, there was plenty of opportunity for you to go elsewhere. And you just continued to uh, sign in SAS, even after 2013 Great Cup and, and beyond. Yeah, I mean, that's just a combination of things. Yeah, and one, obviously, it was great being able to play in my hometown. But also, you know, I I had solidified a starting role where, um, you know, they were offering me contracts that were going to be very competitive to anywhere else that I was going to get. So I knew that they wanted me to stay and I knew that I had a good chance of playing a lot of snaps as a receiver. Um, and on top of that, I had a great rapport with with my quarterback at the time who, you know, was one of the, one of the best in the game for that stretch. So, you know, people look at, at opportunities to go elsewhere. And, you know, if you're a receiver, you're only ever going to be as good as your quarterback. So me knowing that situation really, really helped a lot. Yeah. And that's, and that's a great point too. And, and a lot of times I think some of these receivers, 
sign elsewhere because they're offered more money. And like you talked about, the quarterback situation not, might not be the best. And then they have themselves a down year. And instead of making, you know, X amount of dollars less, but over a course of a period of time, as opposed to being one year and done, I think we saw that uh, this year. I'm not going to name any names on on the podcast, but we had a few receivers that signed big contracts and then didn't have a stable quarterback position. And now they're kind of out of the league so or not playing. So uh, that's a good point for you to take that into account as opposed to just looking at the money and being like, oh, well, I can go chase money. But when you're getting offered great money from Rough Riders, you know you're in a place where you're wanted. Um, moving forward to the the 101st, obviously the Grey Cup, probably one of the most special moments in your career uh, when you were the Canadian, uh, the MVP, Most Valuable Canadian. Um, just take me through. We, we've talked to a few guys. We've had uh, uh, doubles here on the, on the show. Uh, had a few guys uh, that's been in the 2013 kind of take us behind the scenes of that week. A lot of guys said it was uh, really cold. And then all of a sudden game day was beautiful. Um, just talk me through the difference in the different field between that great cup and then the 2009 great cup and even the 2007 great cup when you were uh, on the practice squad. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cold is an understatement. <laughs> that, that that week was insane. You know, you're talking minus 35 kind of weather where you're practicing outdoors. And um, I think that that favored us, um, you know, being in Sask. And once you get deep into the playoffs like that, you know, you're always practicing in pretty cold weather. Um, so, you know, Hamilton at the time likely didn't have that many practices and that kind of weather going into that week. And then it was the perfect storm come the game where it was beautiful. You know, it felt like summer after that week. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, I mean, it wasn't that much different than the other great cups, other than the fact that you're in your hometown the whole time. So, you know, staying, staying in a hotel in your hometown where, where you have a house is, is a little different. Yeah. Was there any bad blood between, I guess, you and Hamilton because you got traded or not really? Because obviously you're playing the team that drafted you uh, in the Grey Cup. Was there any like, oh, I'm going to show you? Or I mean, it wasn't like you really got released or anything. They just traded you to a team that uh, probably wanted you more. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say it was really bad blood. I mean, it's part of the business and you can you can either learn that early or you can learn that late. It's just going to happen at some point where you're going to figure that out. Um, I was, I was definitely thrown off though. Um, if you've ever met me, I'm definitely not someone that's going to toot my own horn or anything, but while I was in Hamilton, you know, the last, last three, four weeks that I was there, you know, I was running scout defense where I was getting to run, you know, primary receivers routes for, for the opponent that's coming up that week. And, um, I was shredding our defense every single day. And I thought that, you know, I was getting myself in a position where I was going to get some playing time, especially because Hamilton, we weren't doing very well. You know, we were the worst team in the league at the time. So I thought it was going to lead to some good playing time. And then next thing you know, I'm, I'm on my way back to Sask, um, you know, without ever really getting that chance to show what I could potentially do on the field. So it was, it was kind of a weird situation, I thought, but at the same time, you know, I showed up in Sask on a plane with Corey Holmes, who's a legend, and, you know, there's all kinds of media personnel, and they're all talking to to Corey Holmes, and, you know, I'm just kind of the extra uh, <laughs> bum, the extra bum on the plane that's kind of getting off, and, you know, guys maybe carrying everyone's luggage or something, and, 
uh, Eric Tillman actually came up to me. He was the GM at the time. He came up to me because he was there to greet us. And he said, uh, I want you to know that the reason this trade happened is, is because of you. And wow. I mean, that was just a real confidence boost right at that time because uh, Corey Holmes is a phenomenal football player and had a hell of a career. And for him to come up and say that in, in that situation, um, that struck home with me. Yeah, without a doubt. Wow. And for for viewers, a lot of times, like like he was talking about, the the practice squad is running plays that the opposing team will run the next week. And was that kind of a point of pride early in your career? Was like, okay, the better our defense plays, the more pride I'm going to have because, like, man, I really got them ready for that game. Yeah, it was twofold. You know, it's it's you make building your resume every single day. It's not just built on in the physical games that you're playing against other opponents, it's built in practice. So if I can show the team that I can go out and understand how to run routes and understand how to make plays and basically read our own defense while this is all going on, you know, that's showing that I can play the game at a, at a high level and potentially get myself in a, in a position to actually get some real game time. So, um, you know, at the same time, you're always there to, to help your team, uh, prepare for that coming week and that was my role and that's that's fine you know that's that's part of the game and to me it's it's just fun I always had fun in practice it didn't matter I just loved the game so it didn't matter if it was if it was a true game day or if it was practice leading up to it you know I was always having fun and I was going to work my tail off yeah great <clears throat> yeah Exactly. And then like you guys get to play that great cup at home in Sask. What was the party like? And like, what were you doing in your hometown after the game and the atmosphere around Sask? Uh, well, I mean, you got a couple hours for sure where you're just with the guys in the locker room kind of celebrating um, the culmination of the year and, and being able to, you know, get that ultimate goal that everyone sets out to when you, when you have that first kickoff uh, leading into that season. So you know, we had we had that, and then we we kind of had a get uh, get together at the center of the arts, where we had a you know a whole private room that uh, we could bring some friends and family to, have some food, have some drinks, and I mean the uh, whole city was pretty electric. <laughs> and then the parade. Um, talk to us about the parade. Did you get you guys? Obviously, I hope had a parade. Oh yeah, we had a parade. It was freezing. <laughs> it, it, yeah it was it was definitely a cold day but you know true sask fashion you got all kinds of fans that are lined up on albert street all the way to uh the legislature where um we kind of ended that uh where we ended the parade so you know there was all kinds of people great support and i'd expect nothing less in this province yeah no doubt the alcohol definitely helps when it's cold huh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, coffee, <laughs> dailies, whatever it is, you know, keeps you going. Without a doubt. Well, uh, we're going to get to our final segment here, which is uh, what we call the two-minute drill. So basically, um, the way this works, I don't know if you've listened to any of our podcasts, but we put two minutes on the clock, and we have a bunch of questions to ask you, and we see how many questions you can get through. Um, I think our champion is Bobby Jurison with, uh, I believe it's 23 
Foley and uh, Fantuz, I believe, are at 22, tied at 22. So our, our low man on the totem pole, which we're going to talk about it every week, is Ricky Ray. <laughs> nine. And the way he did it was he spent too much time on each question. So the idea and the premise behind it is, hey, we ask a question. You don't even think you just spit something out. You good with that? Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll see what we can do. All right, I'll start the uh, um, clock after the first question. And the way it goes is I'll ask 10 questions in a row, and then Isaac will ask 10 questions. So that's kind of how we switch off, just so you know. Okay, cool. All right. Your favorite Halloween costume you wore? Uh, the Dumb and Dumber character, Jim Carrey. Drink of choice? Uh, spice rum. Scale of 1 to 10, how good of a dancer are you? Uh, 1. Is it wrong for vegetarians to eat animal crackers? No. Your first celebrity crush? Uh, Sandra Bullock. How many yards did you have in your career receiving? Oh, 6,000 and change. Water park or theme park? Water park. Skydive or bungee jump? Skydive. Favorite CFL memory? 2013 Grey Cup. Best Halloween candy? Mm, oh, Henry Bars. Uh, how many touchdowns did you have in your career? I think 47. 40, what 41. Is the go on. <laughs> what is the goaded midnight snack? Uh, popcorn. How do you eat Oreos? The whole thing, just bite after bite. <laughs> Are you better at hockey than your brother is at football? Yes. What's the best type of cheese? Uh, cheddar. In one sentence, sum up your time in the CFL. Absolute blast with a lot of great teammates and an unbelievable amount of memories. Would you rather be chased by one horse-sized duck or ten duck-sized horses? <laughs> <laughs> one horse-sized duck. Come up with another name for peanut butter. Delicious spread. <laughs> if life were a video game, what would you try and debug? Debug? Yeah, like uh, get rid of. Uh, loading time. Favorite band? Dang. Don't really have one. Uh, last TV show you watched? Uh, Friends. Time. Ooh, man. 20. 20, baby. He's on a leaderboard. All right, so we usually go back and we, we go through some of our answers um first one a one as a dancer come on gets laugh i know you can dance man you're too much oh, of that no you know you don't <laughs> i cannot dance i got two left feet and i just don't have that coordination that's not in me uh how many yards you had you're pretty close you had 6100 you said 6000 and some change so that was uh pretty impressive Right on the money with 41 as well for touchdowns. Yeah, touchdowns. Uh, oh, Henry. You said, oh, Henry candy bar? Yep. Yeah. Do you watch Seinfeld? Uh, I Not religiously, but I've watched several Seinfeld okay. episodes. Yeah. Yep. Got it. Yeah, because there's one where the, she's the like the president of the oh, Henry candy bar. Um, Oreos, <laughs> I love that answer by you. <laughs> I don't. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got to talk about – okay. You're better at hockey than your brother is at football, huh? 
Uh, that was a snap decision. I mean, I probably should have <laughs> went with uh, him just because he's an all-around better athlete, period. But uh, uh, I guess I just said that more because I've never stopped playing hockey, whereas, you know, he only played football until he was 15 years old. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. point. Do you still play hockey to this day? You play rec league hockey? Yep, I play play on two different teams. Yeah, one with no refs. That's more of a beer league team. And then I played yep. uh, in the the best division in adult safe hockey oh, okay. here for multiple years. Who, who was winning the fights back when you guys were young pups? Is he beating you up? No, heck no. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the older brother. I'm still the older brother, you know. Yeah. I don't know how that would go today. You know, he's kind of a monster compared to me, but uh, <laughs> I was still the older brother, so. That's yeah, awesome. he's still a little bro. You got a, you got a lot of now. That's right. Uh, the question that I think threw you for a little loop was the one horse sized duck or the ten duck sized horses. A horse sized yeah. duck would kind of be scary. I, I would. I mean, uh, it would it would be scary, but I just don't think the duck would move that fast. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's what I think. You I think you made the right choice there. That's yeah. Awesome. I mean, I can get away. I don't care how big that duck is. If it can't move, I'm just gonna get away from it. <laughs> And then uh, finally, we got to talk to the marketing team and see if we can get the Chris Getzlaff uh, delicious spread going. Ooh, yeah. So, <laughs> sell it in some stores and make some money off of it. <laughs> yeah. we, uh, well, I mean, you, when you're trying to go fast, you just got to make snap decisions. So. <laughs> that's the point. And that's the point of two-minute drills. So many people are so afraid to just be vulnerable during this that they <laughs> overthink their answer. And uh, and that we're, we want to have you say something crazy so we can talk about T- it. Take a seat on Cody's couch. He's gonna he's gonna do some therapy with you. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you've been amazing. We appreciate you taking the time. I know our listeners are gonna absolutely love uh, uh, this interview with you. You're one of the fan favorites, and uh, still seeing your jerseys out there in the stadium to this day. So mm-hmm. definitely left uh, left a mark on uh, Rider Nation, which is awesome. Yeah, well, it's hard times out there, hey? So, you know, once the economy gets better, I'm sure we can get rid of all those jerseys. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's because you spent all that time with Sask. That's three, six, eight years with Sask. It's hard to buy a, a $300 jersey and then two years later, the guy tra- changes teams, you know? So uh, you were one to, to stick around and, and they uh, definitely loved watching you play. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And uh, I've always appreciated the whole fan base here. And they, they showed me a lot of love in my career. Yeah, well, we appreciate Thank you. Thank you so much. Big... Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to The Rouge Report, presented by Young's Equipment. A Rough Rider podcast. The Rouge Report is brought to you by Young's Equipment, your case IH dealer in Southern Saskatchewan. Young's is home to a wide selection of new and used case IH combines to meet your needs for any size farm. Their experienced technicians and wide selection of parts will keep you running all season. Go to youngs.ca and use the podcast code ROUGE, R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a writer's prize package.